Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Show up, day of, lines ready, movement adjacent ready. And um, we get to the dancing part. They're like, oh, do you have your dance prepared? I was like, yes, I do. Uh, and they're like, okay, like if you want to do it right here. I was like, oh, can I plug in music, turn on the music? <laughs> and Jillian, they go, um, no, just dance to the music in your head. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to it right now, leave us some love, and all of that doodah. <laughs> Today on the show, we have Rebecca LaMarche. You may remember her from Fit for a Prince or Anything for Jackson. We're going to talk about her brand new film, Sappy Holiday, which is premiering December 17th on Up TV and uh, December 9th in Canada. So, hey, Canada, what's up? You get it early. And uh, we have a lot of fun. So here is my conversation with Rebecca. And welcome to the show, Rebecca. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your show leading oh. up to this, and I just love how warm and bubbly and inviting you are in your episodes. <laughs> and it, it just like felt like I was hanging out with you in my house before we even hopped on. Oh my god, I love that. You know, I have a couple of my close friends that listen to the show, and they frequently forget that we didn't have conversations because they'll listen to this, and then they'll oh. be like, oh yeah, and blah, blah, blah happened. And I was like, wait, what? How do you know? And they're like, oh, wait, we didn't talk about that. I'm like, nope, that was that was the podcast. Interesting little things when you have a podcast, but I'm glad you like it. Yeah. It's fun for me. Well, like what a testament to you though, that your friends, like you sound that natural, you know, you're being so yeah. candid that your friends actually think you were talking to them about it. True, true. Maybe that's a bad thing in some parts, but I think it's good. I think it's that's good. good. Uh, uh, well, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Um, I love female entrepreneurs and multi-hyphenates. Um, as one myself, I think it is important for us to all be making our own pathway and all that fun stuff. But um, before we get into all of that, I would love to go back to the beginning with you and ask you what made you get into this industry? Ooh. I mean, I think just getting into the industry, like, Fundamentally, it was a love for cinema, a love for television, and like just really wanting to tell those stories myself. But I, like for the longest time, I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to pursue it as a career. In high school, even in university, I knew I wanted to do it, but I wasn't 100% sure because in high school, I'd always been interested in medicine, whether it be veterinary or like surgery for humans. So I was so interested in medicine. And then in my final year of high school, I did a complete 180 80 and didn't realize this had been at the back of my mind. 
because I'd been doing mm. theater just for fun and taking theater throughout high school and realized it's what I was enjoying the most. Like I wasn't enjoying my science classes the same way I was just mm. loving all my theater experience. So I went to university for journalism and theater, combined double honors, two different schools at the same time. It's a little crazy. Wait, what? Two I different know. schools at the same <laughs> yeah. time? Yeah, two universities that like work symbiotically and they allowed me to do two degrees between the two as a combined honors, which was like awesome, but madness. Yeah, and when did you sleep? Did I, you sleep? I just didn't. Like there was one semester where I was doing like nine credit hours of work. Like literally, oh I know it was insane, but it kind of is what I needed because now I work as an actor, producer, and casting director, and you can't sleep either. So, so it was just really like training me for my career to come and I didn't even know it. But yeah, all through university, like I just made a point, keep my grades up in case I had a 180 and wanted to apply to med school. Like that was always in the back of my mind. Mm. And then the more I got into the theater arts side of things, knowing for me it would be film and television, but the more I got into acting, theater, like this side of the business, I just completely lit up and fell in love with it and knew 100% this is what I wanted to do and have not yet looked back, but never say never. Wow. <laughs> yeah, never say never. But that's that's so amazing that you kept up your grades specifically because you were like, well, what if I turn around and decide to do that instead? I love that. Because um, I think too, like, it's it's one of those things as an artist where so many people are like, so what's your plan B? And it's like, well, if you don't, if you have a plan B, you're not going to fully commit to this, right? Like that's not, that's not going to be what you do. But if you don't have a plan B and you just like go for it. And the fact that you were just like, you know what? I'm in it now. We're doing this. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that because that, that saying's so common in the industry. Like if you have a plan B, your plan A won't happen. But I so disagree. Like, I think you need to, in today's culture, have so many things. <laughs> Sorry, that's my puppy. Um, <laughs> so many things going for you. Like, perfect example, you're an actor and you have this podcast. It's like different yeah. branches of mm -hmm. not just um, revenue, but just like different branches of energy and creativity. And I think if you have your hands in multiple pots, you're more resilient to the downtimes and you have more going on for you, more life experiences to draw from. And I personally think that if you are in the marathon of acting, you need like a strong financial foundation. And unless yeah. you're super, super privileged, you need to have a job you can enjoy throughout the journey. Mm. Yeah. I do see a lot of um, actors, especially when I was younger, get stuck in that what can I do to make money in between and then get stuck in jobs they didn't like. Right. And, and so me. then it's cool. like, yeah, like they hate the jobs. Like if it's waitressing or working at a, I don't know, I don't know, another company, right? retail. Yeah. And just hating it. And then to me, that always was like, okay, well, if you hate what you're doing there, that's going to overflow into your, your acting, your auditions, everything, because people are going to see that energy and they're going to say like, Oh, Whoa, what's going on with her? Like, Maybe, maybe she isn't right for the role because this energy is really off. But that's why I've always, like you, found other ways to intertwine myself within the industry so that I 
am working on things that I constantly love, even if I'm not in front of the camera. I think that's so smart. And do you just find too, that because you're in it and it doesn't even have to be in front of the camera, like you're saying, like, because you're in, it, it doesn't have to be the industry, but for you, because you're in the industry, when opportunities come up, you probably, I know I do, you feel less desperate. It's just kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, it's another day in the life because this is your life and this is your world. And I just think it makes such a healthy, positive, empowering mindset. Yeah. Which brings me to, I want to talk to you about your career as a casting director first, and then we'll get into producing and then acting. Cause I think it's really cool that you've built such a career for all three things like you you've really built up the credits on everything so I want to know how first how you got into casting if that was like your first choice coming out of university or or how that all kind of came to be yes so I got into casting I was working at a production company here in Canada brainpower studio and I actually still work there now and I saw there was this big gap in casting and I really, you know, I was, I was assisting at the time and I was doing like so much behind the scenes, falling in love with it completely, mm. just getting so excited by the process because I only knew it from the acting side of things. Right. And, um, you know, I went to my boss at the time and we didn't have anyone to fill the role. The person who had been casting at that point had just moved on to do other projects and had just mm. been doing them project to project. And I said, I want to head up the department. And mm. so I took on casting like from background all the way up to stars and Lord. learned along the way. And now I head up the entire department for the studio. I do all the American and Canadian casting. I do all the contract negotiations. I work opposite all the lawyers, attorneys, managers, agents, um, everything. And I just find that everything feeds into the other. I know as a performer, what might be more important to people when their agents are countering. I know as a producer, what numbers actually make a more meaningful impact when we are negotiating on set or what we might need. And from casting, like it's just, it's so intertwined and they all inform each other. And I've been doing it for quite a few years now. And honest to God, I love it. I find it so exciting. We can be doing small projects and you see that person break through blocks that they've been having for a while and you believed in, or you find that person that no one has been looking at and they're amazing and you give them their shot. Or you get someone who previously hadn't been interested in the genre or available to work on, you know, dates or anything that you've been chasing for a while and it comes together. So it's always an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm really like resilient to it now. Like it's kind of like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, oh, too bad. But when you get the person that you really want or believe in, it's really exciting. It's so exciting. I mean, I've I've been through that on the directing and producing side with my casting directors and like going through people and trying to see who is the best for for the roles and it's it's so nerve-wracking even on that side, which is what I want all actors to understand too is like everyone on that side is also, you know, flipped out because it's like you want somebody so specific and when you find that person, you're just like on your hands and knees praying like please let this work out. But you know what I will say too, it's like so often you'll really think something is happening. You'll really think you found the person, you're like halfway through negotiations, mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason, things don't work out. And the right person always ends up with the job. They always, and always. And then when you're on or you're looking at the dailies or, you know, you're in the edit, you can't imagine it being anyone else than the person who booked it. And, and yeah. I think that's really cool. You know, there's so many great people who can do every single part. And in the moment, people think that there's only one person, but ultimately the job needs to be filled and the right person will fill it. And it's pretty cool. That's so true. When we were doing um, Pretty Broken, uh, the person who was going to play my mom fell out literally a week before we were going to fly her up to Portland to start filming. And we yeah. were like, what do we what do we do? And it was, you know, a very small independent film. And we're just like, ah, freaking out. And then our casting director found Stacey Edwards. And we were like, who is this incredible woman? And she had been nominated for an Indie Spirit Award back in the 90s. And we were just Amazing. like, this is this is the person and you're so right like things do happen for a reason um which is one of the reasons that i i started the podcast because i wanted actors to be able to be okay with the things that they didn't end up booking because it there's always a reason behind it even yeah. if you don't see it right away well and i think the thing is like people always speak of that role that got away and mm -hmm. I think I have so much more peace of mind or a healthy mindset when it comes to casting as an actor because I work the business side of it like every day. And the fact of the mm. matter is no job gets away that's yours. Like it, it really doesn't. Yeah. Unless, so true. you know, uh, like sure, if I want to stretch my own concept, like maybe you're on a movie and the schedule shifts and you're booked and whatever. But Ultimately, if yeah. you're the person, you're their person, it's going to work. If you're meant to have the part, you will get it. If you've earned it, you've earned it. And um, it's just, it's a really hard thing to come to terms with, but you're not missing out. And like, that's the best thing mm -hmm. to really realize. It's like, okay, if you did a killer audition and you didn't book it and you were really close, it didn't get away from you because it wasn't yours. Right. That's okay because you still did an amazing job. And I bet you people took notice. Like so often mm. I'll be in rooms and people are like, oh my God, they're amazing. Oh, who could we pick between the two or the three? You know, it's very often it's not just one person who blows everyone away and leaves everyone else in the water. And that's kind of cool. Mm. It's really cool. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Maybe I should have more casting directors on the show because this is really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, just, um, bring <laughs> yeah, just bring everybody. Um, but okay, but let's get to your acting stuff because you've been an actor for a while now too, and you have a brand new movie, Sappy Holiday, coming out. Um, so tell me about how you got started, you know, acting professionally. What was that first project for you, and how did you, you know, make a career out of it? Yeah, well, I started acting. I knew pretty early on theater wasn't my passion, my love. Like I knew I wouldn't have a career in theater. Mm -hmm. um, but I was booking quite a bit in theater. And while I was in university, I, uh, I, I thought, you know what? You're not really supposed to do it, but I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to start auditioning. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it takes a while to build it up. But I, uh, I didn't live in, I live in Toronto now, but I lived, I went to school out in Halifax. So it's a much smaller uh, film and television mm -hmm. scene. So it's like, yeah, you know, I'll start auditioning. We'll see. Um, so I was auditioning a very little bit out there while I was still in school and um, there was doing, I was doing background one day, which of course you don't audition for. <clears throat> and it was on, um, we have the CBC here, Canadian Broadcast Corporation. Yes. 
And so we have, uh, we had a sitcom, like a really, just like a really funny show called Mr. D. And I was doing background. It was like my first day on set, probably ever. I can't really remember right now. It's all such a blur. <laughs> and just like, it was one of those lucky moments where out of all the background, I was picked out of the, gra- the crowd to be upgraded and be like a waitress opposite the lead in the series regulars. And, um, oh my gosh. And- yeah, I know. Like it never happens. Um, <laughs> what? I know. It was like my first day ever on a set. I was like, this is amazing. Like things are meant to happen. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> I didn't even know at the time, like how unusual that was. Um, so I guess like that was my first part. Um, I think it's, it's called The Late Shift season two. Um, it's on Netflix now, but it was like so, so short, so fast, um, and such fond memories. Like it was so much fun because, you know, I felt so special that day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who wouldn't? I would feel yeah. very special too. That's amazing. <laughs> so after that, um, you know, I was like all excited, auditioning, auditioning a little bit more, Um, And then I had this like really weird, uncomfortable experience on another job I had booked on set, um, like Mm. where I really just didn't feel safe. My agents at the time didn't back me up at all. Um, They represented the person's wife at the time. um, And they wouldn't let me leave the agency. So... I just decided that I would not audition for the rest of the year and like finish up schooling and then move on out towards Toronto. And I did that. And then starting like in a new scene, no referrals. It took a long time to really like build up anything. Like I was taking classes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to get an agent, the whole thing. It took a while to build up, but I think it's just a testament, like, keep your head down, stay focused, learn from, you know, others, the people around you, learn from your own mistakes. And um, yeah, like, you're going to build momentum if you just stay focused and keep moving forward. So small jobs lead to bigger jobs and bigger jobs, you know, lead to meeting the creators or producers, like decision makers. And now I'm like, so, so lucky to say that at least once or twice a year, I'll get an offer to do a movie and not have to audition at all. And it's just, you know, how far have I come from, <laughs> from, you know, like not even yeah. audition because I couldn't even work with my own agents at the time, you know, or didn't even know that you could just leave them for being um, not good. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term, not good. Not um, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I mean, I've, I've never been, I've actually never been to Toronto. I've been to Vancouver, but, um, so I, I have no idea about the scene there. And it's interesting that, um, that you were saying how, how long it took to break into it. Cause I feel like, I feel like Toronto is, is a huge market. I mean, there's so yeah. many people. Oh yeah. It's uh last I checked, which was a while ago, <laughs> it was the third largest <laughs> in North America. And I remember thinking, I remember being surprised that it at the time surpassed Atlanta, you know, um, I don't know if it still does, but it's a pretty big scene and there's a lot of work for local people, which is great. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And back to the show. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sappy Holiday, your new film that is coming out December 17th here on Up TV, and then December 9th in Canada. Tell me all about it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, as you can tell, um, to people listening, I'm pointing at my beautifully decorated Christmas tree. Um, (laughs) so I love Christmas movies. I, it's like how I get into the, you know, the spirit of the holidays. So it's always fun to, to make them and be a part of them. And Sappy Holiday is uh, a fun play on words to start because it takes place at a maple syrup farm. Uh, and it's very <laughs> and romantic. <laughs> uh, so it's a really sweet movie where our lead, her name is Joy, and she finds out that her boyfriend is going to propose and she's going out to his fancy, um, fancy home to go spend the holidays with his parents. And they're all very unlike her. She's like passionate and off the cuff and a cook and creative, and she gets caught in a snowstorm. And this very handsome maple syrup farmer uh, rescues her Ooh. and whisks her away to the family maple syrup farm. Uh, and that's where I come in. I am married to his brother. My character's name is also Rebecca. And um, we're all at this. <laughs> I know, it, that happens so often. Um, so we are at this maple syrup farm that is like intergenerational, it's been in the family forever super special to the family. Of course, it's going out of business. It's their last Christmas all together there. They're going to have to sell the farm. (laughs) I mean, I would expect nothing less. Yeah. And then Joy, she comes in, she connects with all of us and she realizes that we each independently have these skills that can save the farm that we had never like come together because of family divides and and done to save the legacy and so my character she had wanted to be an interior designer and actually dropped out of college because she got pregnant with her first child was very happy with her life but always felt like she was missing out and had really grown attached to this farm because it's where all their happiest memories are and where all you know where she got married and where they've raised the kids and every christmas and now she had given up her dreams and really like given roots to this place that wasn't even hers to keep that she was going to lose. And so um, I won't give too much away, but between all of our skills, um, we may or may not save the farm and she may or may not dump her city boyfriend and end up with a better one. Maybe. You'll have to tune in and see. (laughs) We'll have to tune in. I, okay, it is like the perfect holiday trope. And I love it so much because that is what we all are looking for in our holiday movies, right? It's the city girl 
goes to the country, finds a country boy, saves some aspect of his life. I mean, it's like it is it has become the the hallmark of the holidays, if you will. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And you know, I've spent time thinking like why why is it why is it this way, you know? And people want especially this time of year want a happy ending, especially with the world we've been in lately. But it's just so comforting and it reminds you of fundamental core values that I think a lot of people care about. Like a lot of people feel overwhelmed by technology and the pace of life Mm -hmm. and the burdens of a corporate career, even if they're passionate about it. And they just kind of want to slow down and connect with people and most importantly, their family and share time and moments and pace together. And I think a lot of people attribute that to Christmas. And so it's really mm-hmm. sweet and reminding people of what's important to them and core values and how important bringing together family is. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right on the money with that because it is such a fast paced life these days and everyone is on the internet far too much. Um, <laughs> So it does sound nice to go to a maple syrup farm and just live out your best country life. I mean, it sounds great. Oh my gosh. And Jillian, I will tell you, like filming that movie, um, oftentimes Christmas movies are filmed in the heat of summer, but this one was filmed in the heart of February, which up here, it's like mountains of snow. Uh, It's beautiful. And so we were in this like estate in the country. It was gorgeous. Just the most beautiful architecture. I don't know, like 20 foot ceiling, something crazy like that. Panoramic views of the forest covered in snow. And I kid you not, we're doing a scene and I've stepped off. I'm, I'm not in this one. I look over and there's deer just walking through the snow, chilling outside the window. <laughs> The team stopped. That is that is exactly when I would stop, like start crying and be like, this is the best moment of my life. Oh my God. No, it felt like an artist retreat. And I mean, the filmmakers are the loveliest people ever. It was the, it was the best place to be, like so much fun. Um, it was such a fun, sweet movie to make. And I think that always translates on screen too. Like if people are loving what they're doing while they're working, it just adds that something special to the finished project. Totally. I 100% agree. You can definitely tell when people are having a good time and when they're not in a film. Um, So I think that is very important. Um, On this show, we like to share audition stories. Uh, Those can be funny ones. They can be sad ones. They can be ones that have gone horribly wrong. Um, And as you are on both sides of the aisle with this, um, I was wondering which audition story you would like to share and on what side? (laughs) <laughs> um, well, the first one that comes to mind is one of my own uh, because it was so bad. It was like, you know, one of those ones that's a core memory that you will hold on to for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the one that you're like thinking about at 2 a.m. when you can't go to sleep and you're like, dang, man, I really did that. <laughs> so, you know, my personal like philosophy and motto is when things go wrong, just win the situation, you know, like do your best to make the best of the situation. And that is a caveat. (laughs) So I feel very proud of this audition, even though I had no business being there. Um, So (laughs) yeah, no business being there. My agents at the time had messaged me saying that 
you know, they had this cool movie. It was like, <laughs> it, was, um, it was a dance musical combat war indie picture. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> that is so many, so many adjectives into one title. Music, <laughs> musical, dance, <laughs> combat, war, indie picture. So naturally as an actor, wow. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and they send me my character's information and it says something about like winning the war through dance set in Afghanistan. I'm like, I'm not even... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. And um, I was like, oh, V at the time. This sounds really cool. <laughs> but I messaged my agents. I go, you know, I'm not a dancer. Um, are they looking for someone perhaps that's a trained dancer? Like, I'm not a dancer. I go, oh, no, no, you're fine. And I have some like military training uh, background, very basic, but they were kind of like leaning in on that. And I was like, okay, cool. Very exciting. Uh, the night before they say, uh, by the way, make sure you have your prepared dance for the audition. I was like, message my team. I was like, Hey, uh, did you see this note? Uh, I'm not sure I'm a fit for this. Like, what do you think? Anyway, they convinced me that it's totally fine. I should go. Uh, you don't have to be a dancer. They're just saying that flags all around. Red flags all around. <laughs> all so around. Think, They're everywhere. They're just popping up. Oh, yeah. So I think, okay, all right, I can do this. Like, they're not looking for a dancer. They just want to see you move, <laughs> right? And uh, I, the night before, I put on some Ariana Grande. I'm, like, working it, practicing this dance. Um okay, like, if you want to do it right here, I was like, oh, can I plug in music, turn on the music? <laughs> and Jillian, they go, um, no, just dance to the music in your head. And I go, pause. Okay. And, uh, and so in my head, I'm like, okay, God is a woman. Oh God. God is a woman. Ariana Grande. Like, I'm ready for this. <laughs> um, like, channeling, I don't know, my teenage pussycat dolls, like, hierography. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, I got to win this war, like big movements. I just like remember watching a lot of So You Think You Can Dance growing up or like Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, they always say go big, like sharp, big movements. So I'm just, I don't know, dancing my heart out to the music in my head. <laughs> and I land in like, oh my God, <laughs> like a funny pose. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, like we're feeling it. Let's see it bigger. I'm like, wow, bigger. Okay, I'm doing this. So I go like bigger. <laughs> Um, and I'm really dancing my heart out. And um, yeah, honest to God, I left that audition feeling like a winner. I don't even know if they made the movie. I shouldn't have been there, but I really, uh, I, really <laughs> I won that war. <laughs> Maybe they didn't even need to film it. It was one before. <laughs> before they, they said Rebecca LaMarche came in and she uh, saved us all and won the war with her dancing. We don't need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely like a core memory where I just made a mental note. I'm like, if ever I know no that I truly am not right for what they're asking for, like, it, it's just, no, it's a no. It's better for everyone if you just don't. <laughs> yeah. Once it's a hilarious story to tell on your podcast, um, more than once would be not a good industry move and a waste <laughs> of everyone's time. 
that was that was a great story that was a perfect story i love stories like that it's just you know as an actor you have just got to let go of like you know any sort of embarrassments you just have to know that you're gonna be embarrassed like 90 percent of the time because it's just like sometimes you have to do weird stuff yeah i love that you just went in and like went for it and you're like dang i did so good yeah exactly I should get an award for that. Like, I, I would probably do the same thing, though. I'd be like, yeah, man, I just, I, I would probably have called my manager and been like, listen, I'm going to book this. I know. They were so nice to me. They were either exceptionally nice to me or the opposite. <laughs> they go bigger. Um, who knows? I'm choosing to believe they were very nice. Um, but I know a small part of me was like, I don't know, maybe I booked it. But <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my God. That oh was, man. That was uh, on the other side, like on casting audition stories, I don't even know where to begin. Um, but I will say like, I'll, I, it's like actors cannot help themselves. Actors can't help themselves if there's <laughs> in the world, why they would interpret that an accent, that the character should have an accent that they can probably do about as well as I could dance in that last story. <laughs> they will do it. And, um, and like, I will put in like red letters, special notes, like though the film is set in Texas, please, for the love of God, do not put on a Texas accent <laughs> unless you were born and raised from Texas and happen to live in Toronto, Canada. Um, and <laughs> you'll just get like so many people insisting on this accent. But what killed me was, we were doing a film this year and oh, this no. guy, cheeky, cheeky, he only sent one take. It was a self tape too. He only sent one take and it had a horrible country accent that was not <laughs> his own. And I'm watching the tape and I'm like, oh, you disobeyed the instructions that were so clearly laid out, but I actually love your audition and I don't have time for a callback. Like there's, there's, there was no turnaround. And he booked it. And I was like, I hate rewarding such bad behavior. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And everyone was like, I, I thought we said no accents. Like, oh, this guy better not bring an accent. Make sure you know. Make sure you tell him not to bring an accent to set. Like, people didn't want the accent there. Um, so it's not even like, surprise, he was right. People love the accent. No. People were like, oh, God, that accent's <laughs> awful. But... To our conversation earlier, I mean, if part's yours, it's yours, man. <laughs> I mean, that's that's perfect. I love that. I love that so much. And I love that you had to be like, please do not take yes. this to set. Do not. <laughs> oh, I know. And you don't want to make anyone, like, feel bad or self-conscious. So, of course, it was just like a chat with the agent. Like, you know, his audition. Oh, loved it. His look, perfect. But, you know... No accents. Where's no accents. Just leave accent. it. Yeah, he's going to pop out weird. Like, you have to make up something so that someone doesn't feel awful or self-conscious. But you got the job. How bad could he feel? <laughs> I mean, the only thing that could have made that better is if without the accent, he had had, like, a really strange voice. And, oh, like, true. he got to set and everyone was like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm giving you more than you asked for. But um, this reminds me. It's, like, the opposite thing. And I don't think this person will listen. I hope not because they're a friend. But um, 
They were cast in like a long running project. I was casting and producing and um, he's an awesome actor. Again, another man. Um, he's an, <laughs> an awesome actor. And the storyline was like developing that his character used to be a singer. And it was important mm. to the by like our partners that the person sang. So I reach out to him and his team and I go, you know, how much experience? Oh, you know what? No one knows, but actually he's a singer. And, you know, normally I would do a lot more due diligence, but again, tight turnarounds, this person we've, I've worked with a bunch before we know and love, um, turns out he likes to sing and sounds nice singing, <laughs> but is not a singer like you would expect a character who's a singer to be. <laughs> And we found out, like, on the day, you know, he gave it his all. He really brought it, but we couldn't use it because <laughs> it just didn't fit the storyline in the end. And I was like, okay, that one's, that's my bad, too. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are certain things you cannot fake. Dancing and singing are, are two of them. You yeah. cannot fake it. Like, you, it's either there or it's not. Don't yeah. lie. Oh, and Don't always in front it. of a room full of people. Oh man, those were all fantastic stories. Thank you for sharing them with me. <laughs> I, I love them so much. I, I revel in audition stories. Um, oh, it's so much lighter. What is next for you? <laughs> what's next? Right? Um, I yeah, have what's next movie. for you in your life? Yeah, I have a movie coming out in the spring. Uh, I don't know where yet. It's called All Aboard for Love. Um, so that'll be like, it's really fun, dreamy, marina-based movie, a romance. And then next Christmas already, Christmas 2023, I have a Christmas movie coming out where I play a 1940s naval ship factory worker contributing to the war effort. Um, so very fun. That's right. Like, yeah, like different, different take. It's actually like a dual storyline. Like I'm in like plot B, plot A is present day. Um, so it's a, it's a really, it's a really cool movie that shot earlier this year as well, which was like crazy early given that it's for next year. And I might have a period piece drama lined up on the series side to act in. So fingers crossed, cause I'm very hopeful for that one. Uh, we all love a period drama. There's nothing that actors love more than getting to dress up in things you can't normally wear and just really dive in. Yeah, peep in. the best. That's like, yeah, that's goals, goals stuff. So I'm like, fingers triple crossed. Oh, man. Well, I have my fingers triple crossed for you as well, because uh, that is, like you say, goals. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Uh, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you, and hopefully I will be in Toronto sometime and we will be able to see each other in person. I would love that. Thank you so much. You've been so sweet and fun to hang out with. And uh, yes, come to Toronto. We can go for drinks or whatever your uh, preference is. Yay! <laughs> Thanks again to Rebecca for coming on the show and spending some time with me. Make sure to check out Sappy Holiday out December 17th on Up TV and out December 9th in Canada. Um, and tune in next week for another fun episode. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hey! 
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.